0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in World of Warcraft. Sometimes, somewhere down the line, we'll get to other games. I'm really eager to talk about Overwatch at some point, but for right now, we're going to talk about World of Warcraft because we've had a wealth of material come out recently. Anyway, um, my name is Ann Stickney. I'm one of two lore-focused writers at uh, Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. Let's go ahead and introduce Joe first. Joe Perez. Hey Joe. Hi everybody. How you doing?
1: I am doing fantastic and I'm really excited for today. I've been
0: waiting. I know. You've been dying to talk about today's topic. (laughs) I really have. We'll get to that in a second here. Uh, Secondly, we've got our second co-host, of course, the other lore-focused writer at Blizzard Watch and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey Rossi. Mm, Hello. (laughs) How are we doing? I don't, I, voice, <laughs> I don't know. What's up with the voice, man? I don't know. You're not going to do this for the entire show, are you? No, no, I'm done. Okay.
2: Sometimes I wish I was Frank Welker. <laughs> like ever since he did the Arakoa guy. and The thing is, is that Frank Welker does a lot of voices and a lot of noises. like if There's animals and so forth. Frank Welker often does them. Um, but when he does World of Warcraft stuff, it's just
0: Frank Welker. He's, he's real good at distorting his voice to do strange and unusual things. And I don't know how he does it, but uh, ah, Percy. anyway, I just,
2: like, yeah, there's a guy who can do an airco. I've been watching a lot of stuff about voice acting. I'm, I'm one of the things that I'm like curious as heck about in Legion is one of the things I don't have in the alpha yet is a lot of the voice acting. Yeah, not yet. So I want very much, I'm very interested to see like the voice acting in the cinematics when they come in.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So if,
2: if we can say one thing. One thing that War that Warlords of Draenor did extremely well was voice acting and cinematics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So absolutely. I'm looking
2: forward to what they do in the new one.
0: Okay. Well, moving on, we're going to get to the actual topic of the show. Uh, today we're going to talk about Illidan, the novel that just came out by William King. And because we are talking about this book, obviously, it has been released. You could go find it in stores now. It's actually a pretty good book. Um We are still, however, we're going to be talking like completely about the book. So if you're avoiding spoilers for this book, if you've got it, you haven't finished it yet, or if you haven't picked it up yet, I don't know why you wouldn't have, but if you haven't picked it up yet, you may want to avoid this show and come back after you've read read the book. Or, you know, listen to the show, get yourself spoiled, and then decide to pick up the book anyway. Up to you. Um, We're also probably going to talk just a little bit about some alpha spoilers because... Mayev is kind of one of those characters that features in both the novel and Alpha a little bit. Um, and Illidan is one of those characters that's also heavily involved with Legion. This isn't exactly what I would call a bridge novel per se, but there's still connections to be had. So sure. and connections to be made. So if you're avoiding spoilers, this is your opportunity right now to leave. Moving on. <laughs> what would you guys think? What did you think of the book? Honestly, um,
2: it's one of those things. That it, it's sort of like about stuff that we've already seen, but it's it's a lot more in depth than it. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of a bit of the art of the Arthas book, in that it goes through events that we've already seen and experienced, like if we played Warcraft three or if we played Burning Crusade. A little Crusade. bit,
0: yeah, a little bit. But, I think what I appreciated about this book is it. It's like it's the back door to Burning Crusade. I yeah, it's like, you what was call he call doing
2: all that time? Because while like, we right, were out exactly. there,
0: yeah, we were out there on Hellfire Peninsula and, you know, questing our way through Terracar, working in the ground, getting Garrosh all up in our business, which was just not a good idea, but we didn't know that then. Illidan didn't really feature at all. Despite being on the box, he didn't really feature in any of that content, and you didn't really see him outside of, like, a, a couple of quests in which he was referenced, and then if you did the Netherwing grind, he showed up at the very tail end of that yeah, shadow form, yeah. Right, and then you went to Black Temple, and that's where he was. And it's like, well, what were you doing? Well, not only that, it was it was a prime
1: player complaint too at the time, right? Which was like, why are we going to kill him? He hasn't really done anything to
0: us. We just kind of what has it. he been like, doing? Why are we, we upset? Yeah, with exactly. Him? What's going on? And. Illidan, the book actually does a really good job of explaining exactly what he was up to. Um, And I kind of appreciated it from that perspective. On the one hand, I kind of wish that it had been released during Burning Crusade, because I think it would have like opened a lot of it would have explained a lot of information and we would have had maybe a, a reason for Illidan not to be present. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad that they didn't because... I don't know if people would have wanted to raid Black Temple and take him down had they read the book. You know what I yeah. mean? It, well, I, it's interesting, too, because
2: it gives you an idea of what you're... If you're playing a demon hunter in Legion, it gives you an idea of what the background to your mission is.
0: And what it means to be a demon hunter yeah. altogether.
2: The character um, of Vandal is very interesting for like a player if you want to know what you went through to get there. You can you can read through Vandal's story and you can... the, Joe, the bit with.
0: Will-
1: do you want to yeah. talk about that a little bit? The Vandal story or about how much I love this book? Because I can do both.
0: <laughs> talk about the Vandal story. We'll just bounce back and forth here. So, I, just, I, mean... I know you've been like really eager to talk <laughs> about this book, and we don't usually let you talk a lot on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a fair. drink. Have fun, man. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let you go off for a little while because it's rare that we hear Joe go off. So talk talk about Vandal. Fantastic. So one of the one
1: of the most interesting things is we we know that demon hunters exist, and we've known in the game like a little bit of the fact that they harness fell magic and they kind of consume demons. We got that from Illidan, but we don't really know a whole lot about what they go through, what that transformation process is, and why they they go for it. Right? What why are they? What
0: makes them special? What
1: makes them so special? Why and do they put their own eyes out? What yeah.
0: is that? You know.
1: So enter Vandal, which is the vehicle for pretty much the entire explanation of the process of how one, A, chooses to become a demon hunter, and B, what happens as a result of it. And so when we first meet him in the book, he's climbing up uh, to basically attack Illidan, <laughs> or at least it's presented in a way that he's supposed to be attacking Illidan, trying to get through all these defenses and pass the demons and you know pass all of his warriors to, to the very top of the Black Temple – And he gets up there, and Illidan just turns around and says, yeah, I knew you were coming. What do you want? And he says, he puts his daggers down, he takes a knee, and he's like, I want you to make me into a weapon so I can avenge my kid's death. And that was kind of a powerful moment because there's all these flashbacks for a show where he lived through the Legion invasion, and he was a hunter. He he wasn't anything special. He was uh, just a hunter-gatherer. He lived in the forest and just was kind of happy with his family, his wife and kid, and then he watched them completely, completely destroyed and watched his kid be consumed uh, by a a fellhound which that's a very powerful thing even if you're not a parent the idea of your kid dying is horrifying the idea of watching your kid tore apart in front of you is even worse and so that sets the stage for sort of the traumatic experience that that drives him
0: yeah this book really doesn't pull any punches with graphic descriptions of horrific things well and that that actually is um. An, an, I
1: kind of uh, appreciate a, that though. I'll take a brief aside, real quick, before I continue on with Vandal stuff. Uh, the book was written by William King. Uh, if you guys don't know him, he is a author that usually specializes on Games Workshop stuff, which tends to be very grim dark. And what grim dark is is despair, dystopian sort of
0: dark, ultra gritty. violent, yeah. yeah.
1: And he's written some of what are my favorite books, uh, including the Gortrek uh, and Felix series, uh, as well as a bunch of short stories. If you, And this is light compared to what he normally writes.
0: And I think, I think, honestly, I think they made a good choice in choosing him to do this particular book because this book isn't really about heroes. It's mm-hmm. not about heroism and light. It's about that darkness. It's about that grittiness. And I, I like how Vandal, the entirety of Vandal's arc, is pushed by this thirst for vengeance. Mm-hmm. Because vengeance is one of the two names of the demon hunter yes. specs that you could choose. And this makes it very clear why they chose that name for that spec. It, it's, it, it's very much it, a driving point to what isn't makes interesting? it... What makes sorry. a demon hunter a demon hunter? Well, Go ahead, Rossi. I'm sorry. No, I,
2: I, I keep having the, the voice lag. It's my problem.
0: Um, but I was just thinking in terms of like the characters
2: in the book that the book focuses on. Um, if you think about um, Illidan, Vandal, and Maiev as the real big three focus characters, uh, all of them are sort of like there's moments in each of them where they like they even Illidan stops and says, what am I doing? Like there's <laughs> moments where Illidan, Illidan is like, this is what I am doing is insane. Well, not I only just that, but- t- I just want to tell myself this. What I'm doing is insane, but I what- have to do it. So, and th- th- there's a good th- there's an interesting juxtaposition between the three of them where each of them like there's a scene where Vandal is kind of goes downstairs and fought, tries to find a place to rest and sees the demon hunters. Mm-hmm. The ones who've already gone through it. I was actually going it... to I was
1: going to talk about that, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead,
2: go ahead and talk about that. Well, it,
1: the interesting thing, too, is the three main po- focuses of the book are all driven by vengeance. Every single one of them. And that is an overlying theme throughout this entire book. And it's kind of an important thing to note, because that's also an overlying theme into the next expansion we are about to go into. Most of our characters are driven by some form of vengeance.
0: And the funny part is, the Burning Legion is also driven by vengeance.
1: Yes, exactly. We are we are they want payback
0: well- for <laughs> what happened at Hyjal. They want so, payback for what happened at the War of the Ancients.
1: Oh yeah. And they want they they're they just well they just want revenge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but the
1: interesting the interesting thing is with every single character that Vandal interacts with before actually becoming a demon hunter, you realize that they've all lost something and I can't remember her name off the top of my head but the one that the one
2: was carrying her baby on her chest. Yes.
1: Yes, the one that was carrying basically her dead baby on her chest.
2: Yeah, I I don't remember her name either, but I know who you're talking about.
1: And talking to it. Like, she couldn't interact with anybody else around her. Like, she talked to the baby to talk to anybody else around her. Like, you realize how far gone these elves are. And it's blood elves and night elves and... These are all creatures that have lost something so deep to them, so meaningful that they have nothing else in their life but that thirst for vengeance.
2: It's really interesting, too, because these juxtaposes against Mayev, who's really, really for me, Maya is the standout of this book. Um, she's the most interesting character in the book. Um, he does a really good job giving the fact that, you know, he pr- pr- he portrays Maya as somebody who is fundamentally flawed by her quest for vengeance. But she isn't wrong. Like she's not doing this, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm putting vengeance before everything so much as it's the quest kind of just starts to consume her
1: life. And that's kind of a that's kind of a driving point for all the characters involved, too. And it's it's an it's an interesting overtone as well, is that vengeance is not so much the not the all unconsuming thing because it's wrong. It's just that's what they have left. That's what they have, and each one of them is just that
0: or death, and they've yeah. chosen the other road.
2: Well, there's that one point um, in particular where Maiev is tracking Illidan to the uh, Hellfire Citadel because she's been told by Akama that's mm-hmm. where he's going. He's taking uh, Mag- Magtheridon there, and she has to. Like, she's realizing, she's watching, and she's thinking, "I could just jump in on him. They they won't be able to see me coming. Sure, I'll get killed, but I could take him out." I can go in there and I can take him out. I'll die but I can take yeah. him with me. Yeah, and she's seriously considering doing it and uh Anidra, I can't I think her name's Anidra, I can't pronounce A N Y N D R A. Anidra yeah. I'd say. Uh it comes up to her and she goes, What do we do? And she's like she's she's trying to control herself. She's like, Go back down the hill and they go back down the hill. And there's this moment where she realizes that the people that she's brought with her are not willing to die for this. Yep. That she's lost so many people, the one she has left, they, they just don't have it anymore. They don't have, they're not the wardens anymore. And she somehow masters herself and says what she they she knows that she, they need her to say. That, you know, one of them had said, you know, we can't do this. And she says, you're right, we can't do this now. And she waits. But we will. <laughs> and, yeah, and you know, that it, then she's like, yeah, but it will happen. And there's this... Part of it is her saying what she knows they need to hear, but part of it is her saying what she needs to hear, or she'll go insane. Like, if she actually says, no, we can't do it, she'll crack. She'll break wide open, and she can't do that. And she basically has this, it's a great speech where she's like, you know, remember your oaths, and, you know, if you don't want to be here, fine, you know, be a betrayer like Illidan, blah, blah. But the really interesting part about it is how good she is at manipulating people. Oh, yeah. And how good she's and it's like the longer it goes on, the better she becomes because I mean she needs to do it. She needs to build a force. She doesn't she needs, have a choice, yeah. But at the same time
0: she becomes very adept at it. Uh,
2: and the one
0: the one person she couldn't do that to mm-hmm. was a doll. Yeah. The one person mm-hmm. she couldn't she couldn't twist was a doll. Well yeah. Uh, and you know. to a lesser degree the drunai that, that are uh the Aldor. Mm-hmm. To a lesser degree the Aldor. Um We'll go what back was... to Maiev in a minute. Let's go yeah. back to Vandal, though, because we were talking about him. Um, I I like that character, and I liked that character for one very specific reason. He's kind of like the funnel introductory sort of stand-in for every demon hunter that mm-hmm. anybody creates in yes. Legion. very
2: much. He's very much like, when I read it, I thought, okay, this is kind of like, if you roll a demon hunter in Legion, this is what you went through. Yeah. Yep. Some version of this they, that, th- and the, the destructiveness of it is what's fascinating. The self-destructiveness of it, because it's like Joe had said with the, the character who talked to her, the dead child she has on her chest or the guy who laughs at everything. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who's the one I kept thinking about. Cause I, that one, actually I have a real easy time even imagining because I don't know about you guys, but when I'm hysterical, like I'm oh, yeah. really, really upset, I do laugh. Yep. Like when something hard, ho- like I'll just, I'll tell this is a horrible story, but when, when, People who were close to me died. Um, I became like I couldn't stop laughing at things, uh, and it took me like a like a week. Like I was at, I was at a funeral, and someone was talking, giving the eulogy, and I had to bite my arm to stop laughing at everything he said. Not because it was funny, but because I was so messed up. I'd lost so much. I was in that state. So that to me was a really good moment. Like a, a good well, not moment. It's not good, but you know what I'm saying. A it rang true. Moment. It felt. Yeah. I, I can believe that, that you'd, you'd, you'd find everything funny. Because you've ultimately, life is a joke at that point. It's like, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> Why am I still here? This doesn't
1: make sense. Okay, so, so
0: Joe, do you want to jump yeah, I'm
1: gonna, in? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I am I want to backtrack a little bit just because we're, we're talking about this transformation process. But let, let's talk a little bit about what Vandal actually goes through to become a demon hunter. Not only is there this training sort of where they're training in the arcane arts, they're training in sort of how to become a sorcerer first. Then after that, there's this graduation ceremony, almost, where they get to square off, not against each other in a sparring session, but they're put into what is essentially a a summoning circle. And I thought this was really interesting. Illidan summons the demon that harmed them, that caused them this grief, and gives them their chance at vengeance. So in Vandal's case, it summons the Fellhound that consumed Vandal's family. And there's this moment where the realization hits him that this is the same beast. So he manages to kill the beast. And then there's this moment where Illidan turns to him and he says, now eat its heart. Consume it. Take a, take upon its flesh into you. And Vandal looks at him like he's crazy. But then, you know, sits there. and He's like, you know what? I've gone this far. And if this gives me one step closer to my ultimate, my ultimate goal of defeating the Legion so nobody else has to go through what I went through, so be it. And he consumes the heart. Now, at this moment, you think, oh, great, he's consuming the heart, he's got the power. Nope, that's just step one. Step two is now he gets to relive his family's death as this demon flesh that he has taken into him is slowly trying to take over his body. It's trying to use him as a vessel. So he gets to relive this entire graphic scene, this traumatizing scene of his family being ripped apart. And in the entire time, this demon's taunting him, this voice from everywhere. Yes, I did this. Yes, they tasted delicious. I will do this again and you will be my body. I will do this through you. And there's this big moment where Vandal then kills the demon again in this vision, in this world. And then the voice of Illidan pierces through and he says, consume its flesh again. So he eats the heart again. And it's this sort of repeating thing until eventually he starts seeing everything. There's this breakthrough moment where he sees everything that the Legion sees. He sees everything that the demons see. And that's the moment where he takes his own eyes. Like it's, he can't... So he doesn't he have to
0: look at it anymore. Yeah, he,
1: he doesn't have to look at it even though he can still see it. The destruction, the the chaos, the the pain that the Legion has inflicted is so much for him to bear that he just, he tries to blind himself from it. And that was kind of a, an interesting moment. Now, again, you would think, "Oh, that's great. He's he's got this far. Yeah, he's blind, but it's done, right?" Nope. It's a constant struggle. The demon is now a part of him in such a way that not only does it allow him to channel fell energies, but it's constantly talking to him, constantly trying to manipulate him, constantly trying to take control. And there are several moments throughout this entire story, this entire book, where this cre- this creature inside of him is trying to take control and bring him back to legion oh the legion will accept you with open arms you are one of them they will give you power they will make great you know make you great they will they will make amends for all the the damage we've done you know join us be one of us you're already you're already there just accept it embrace it and it's a constant struggle and you realize not only is he going through this Every single demon hunter that has survived this graduation ceremony is going through this.
0: And I really like that whole process. I like I like that the overlying message here... I mean, he kind of... He's he's kind of leading them into it. Illidan is. He's kind of leading them into it. They show up with a thirst for vengeance. And maybe that one thing that they really want vengeance against is just, you know, that one demon that killed my kid or whatever. But he by going through this process he shows them that there's always something more there's always something more something bigger something Mm -hmm. darker and i also like that whole implication that the lesson here seems to be if you want to master your vengeance if you want to hone it into a tool then you need to consume it and control it before it consumes you Yep, it was an interesting story. And it was almost a literal interpretation of that, because the hound would have eaten the guy oh, had yeah, he not. And it's it still, in a way, it's still trying to devour him on a daily basis, every hour, every minute of every day. This thing inside him is fighting to take him over. What's, oh, really and every- interesting,
2: though, what's interesting, too, about that is if you go back to the beginning of the book... Mm-hmm. When Illidan fights, uh, he, not when not just when he fights Magtheradon, but when he locks Magtheradon up yeah. and gets some of his blood on him, uh, there's a moment where he's having a conversation with himself and he says these things. Yeah. And you realize Illidan goes through this every
0: hour Yeah, it's hour not of every just day. the demon hunters that he's yeah, training. It's every this single is one exactly of exactly what Illidan went through. Day one. Go- yeah, he's going you know? through it
2: the whole time. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating, too, not just for the, the the implications for, like, Demon Hunters. It's also fascinating for what you see in the visions. Because the Legion isn't just burning one universe. It's,
0: it's, it's burning them. them all. All of them. And yeah. I think um, what I found interesting about that in relation to Illidan was that he didn't put his own eyes out. Illidan didn't. In the War of the Ancients, Sargeras actually, like, gifted him with the whole site, whatever, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I believe it was the what? One... No, they might have just melted on their own.
0: No,
2: it was Sargeras. He did it. Was Sargeras it? gifted Sargeras him. directly When he went before them, he was with uh, Captain Varathan. Yeah. As he, the first time he turned on his brother. And they walked into, like, the chamber with Ashara and Sargeras through the portal. And Sargeras, like, took note of him. And was like, oh, you're interesting. Wow, so, your soul is absolutely steeped in corruption. This is fascinating. Here's some eyes. You know, he basically... It even pissed, it pissed off on what's-his-name, Xavius, because he basically leapfrogged Illidan above Xavius. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, who he was interested in.
0: So here's the fun part about that, right? Illidan, he didn't go through this whole, oh, I need to take vengeance or whatever. Oh, no, I can't look at it all. I'm going to claw my eyes. That's not what happened to him. What happened to him was... He thought he'd save the world and then he created that second well of eternity because he knew he knew without question that the Legion would be back mm-hmm. someday. And the whole reason that he knew it was because he could see it. He had the eyes, well, he could see it. And that's then the they interesting imprisoned thing, right? him, they imprisoned him. And that ten thousand years, that ten thousand years that he was there in prison, it left him free to think and to see. And to plan and to contemplate not vengeance against the Night Elves, but against the Legion itself. So it's kind of like, you know, you wonder. It's like, what does a man that's locked in a cell for 10,000 years, what do they do? What do they think about? And the book really goes over that in detail and kind of, you know, showcases what happened there. But yeah, I, I really liked how they went over the process of becoming a demon hunter because i mean you know when you do it in game it's like wee, i got double jump wee, i get to like siphon souls off of things you don't quite get it Mm -hmm. but you get it in the book you get exactly what's happening here and it's not sunshine and flowers not even close
1: the other thing that i found really interesting about the entire process is in the case of the demon hunters illidan never once lied to them like
0: No, he absolutely was he, not.
1: he he was always upfront with him, and it's really kind of interesting because he's always framed as like the great deceiver, or not not so much the great deceiver, the but up <laughs> the betrayer, a great deceiver, like a manipulator of people, a manipulator of wills,
2: guy who straight up lies right to kill Jaden's face. Yeah. You got to give him something, and, man,
1: and he he does, and he does. He's really good at it, but the for the the ones that he considers his people, the ones that he considers like an, it, crafted in his image, for lack of a better term he's never anything but honest with them. It's and I found not that really the Night Elves
0: that he considers his people anymore.
1: Right. He's transcended that.
0: Yeah, he's moved beyond that. And maybe he's creating his own people in a way. I don't know. But, um, yeah, with the Demon Hunters, it turns out that Illidan has, like, this plan, a really big plan. And, Rossi, do you want to talk about that? Um, honestly, I, the, Illidan's
2: plan, everything he's going through, everything he's going for... It's stuff you see in Legion, too. Um, They talk about it in great depth. So uh, do we want to wait for the end of the show or do we want to talk about it now?
0: Um, Well, I think we could talk about what he was up to in the book because it's something, like I said, it's something that's highlighted and showcased in the book. Um, So the book itself, just so people know, the book kind of leaves off after Illidan's defeat um, when we raid Black Temple.
2: Yeah, it leads right up to that. It
0: leads right up to that, and then it's a little bit at the end of that, but not much. So there's not – when I say that it's not really a bridge novel to Legion, that's what I mean. There's no, like, direct – when it ends is way back in the past, like before we even went to Pandaria or anything like that. The only real bridge there is what happens with the demon hunters, but that all ties into Illidan's plan. So I feel like we should talk about that. Okay, all right. Uh, I mean, we gave all the spoiler warnings. We're good. Yeah. Basically, Illidan is,
2: he is not satisfied with the idea of fighting the Legion at one place, at one time. It's like, not when he's that talking he's not to Akama, satisfied. It's well, like he does, it, can't. It won't work. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talks to Akama about it to a degree, too. And he's like, you know, Akama's like, and you mean to defeat the Legion here? And he's like, I mean to hold them here. And Akama's like, so you just want to save your precious Azeroth? And he goes, no, I want to preserve us all. But that means we need the first thing is we need an army. But, th- but all everything Illidan does is ultimately like it's wheels within wheels, steps within steps. Uh, you first see it when the deceiver shows up <clears throat> and Jaden shows up in, in wrath. Like he just shows up like in flames and fell power and just, you know, boom in the sky. And now there's giant Jaden and he is not happy.
0: He's very unhappy. And- when we in say moment, in wrath, we mean that he's angry, not Wrath. Yeah, not, not <laughs>
2: <laughs> That would have been a different, a different expansion entirely. That would no. have been a weird expansion. Anyway, go ahead. No, he shows up and he is, you know, flat out furious, and he just smashes his will into Illidan. Never like it's kind of funny because you don't know if if you never actually find out if Killjaden is actually aware of what Illidan has done and just playing along because Killjaden is the deceiver. But what Illidan tries to do is he sets up barriers in his head, knowing that that uh, Kil'Jaden will go right through them. But that they give him time, he has a very sophisticated spell work in place that essentially removes his memories once Jaden is through all of his, of his defenses. And the, the goal is to keep Jaden from finding out what his real plan is. His real plan is basically to destroy the Legion forever. But in order to do that, he needs to strike at them. And you can't do that on Outland. You need more power and more... For lack of a better word, you need a, a good staging ground.
0: Plus, there's that whole fact that, you know, if you aren't killing a demon in the Twisting Nether, you're not really killing a demon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the problem with demons is,
2: as Anne just pointed out, that they, they don't die. Like, for instance, Illidan summons the, the Felhound that that Vandal killed already because, you know, he killed it with a knife. That's when, they you know, he'd already killed this thing once, but that doesn't matter. It just went back to the Nether and then he summoned it again. And then so until Vandal had pulled out its heart and ate it, he, you know, the thing hadn't been stopped. Now it's trapped inside Vandal's body. Previous to that, it was just free to come back as many times as it wanted. That's the big problem with the Legion. And that, that's why I say it ties to the Alpha, because there's moments in the Alpha where the, it's made explicitly clear that, yeah, you know, those demons you've beaten before? That wasn't anything you shouldn't, even, you know, they you, aren't you, actually dead. Here they all are again. Yeah,
1: there's, there's <laughs> one point again. And There's again. one
2: point in the alpha where you literally fight them all again. Um, you see them all, like everything you've ever fought. It's like, oh, hello. So Illidan knows that's not going to work. What he wants is what Sargeras had, the means to actually defeat them permanently. Because that's how Sargeras holds them. Sargeras can, def- can destroy demons permanently, and that knowledge is what you need. Uh, tr- this is the part that I don't really – it's like a keystone or something. This is, I, I haven't quite finished the, the entirety of the book. Um, so I'm a little sketch on this pa- this part of it, but essentially he wants to get his hands on it, to get his hands on the, the world where they were imprisoned in the first place and use that against the Legion first on Outland and then everywhere. He says, and the thing is, is Illidan is perfectly comfortable with using demons against demons. That's the whole, that is the crux of Illidan in a nutshell. Illidan is a firm believer in the fight fire with fire p- approach to, to fighting problems. If Illidan has a problem, his first idea of how to deal with it is to use it against itself. Um that's the demon hunters in a nutshell. If you're a demon hunter, Illidan's demon hunters are all essentially de- that's what they are. They're using demons to fight demons. Literally inside themselves they have
0: ingested a demon and they are and now using it. It's like yeah. a warlock only on steroids. Demon steroids, demon heart steroids. Warlocks don't It's funny cuz warlocks make pacts
2: and make deals and kind of like negotiate with demons. Yeah demon hunters don't
0: they straight up use them
2: yeah straight up it's sort of it's in a way it's sort of similar to the
0: idea of the shaman versus the dark shaman uh shaman kind of you know that is kind of similar because shaman typically a shaman when a shaman is casting a spell or something like that they ask the spirits to do something for them and the spirits always have the option to say nah i'm out of here yeah um Dark the shaman the don't Dark Shaman that. harnessed them and forced them to do things, and that's why they were so despicable in, uh, what was that, Tides of War?
2: Yeah, Tides of War and, and uh, Siege of Orjomar, because they're in siege as well. Yeah,
0: but I mean, in, in the novel Tides of War, yeah. if you read the novel, the, the real shot, the regular shaman, are Didn't horrified at what they see out of the Dark Shaman, because the Dark Shaman aren't respecting the spirits. They aren't asking the spirits for their aid or anything, they're just taking them taking them taking even, possession of them forcing them to do things.
2: They're even torturing them if they say no.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, they don't give them the option of that out. There's no respect there whatsoever. It's just enslavement.
2: And in a weird way that that's kind of the similar to similarity to the demon hunter plus the, the warlocks generally when they get corrupted by fell energies, it's just happening cuz fell energy is corruptive. They don't eat demons. You know, that's this is very literal. This is not a metaphor. When Joe says, eat the heart, he literally means yeah, that he ripped Vandal, out the heart ate it. Vandal rips out the heart. Well, actually, Illidan. Rips he the went heart. all Daeneri-
0: Daenerys yeah. on that thing. Just like okay. nop, straight nop. up eats it.
2: So that's like Illidan's whole plan essentially boils down to find this power that Sargeras had, get it and use it against the Legion. The very thing that allowed Sargeras to make the Legion in the first place. The thing, the secret of how to kill them. That's what he wants to get his hands on. And once he has it, he believes then he can basically t- he can do to kill Jaden what Kill Jaden has done to so many others. He can kill him, and it- and it'll be for real. It'll be done because and it- he really wants Kill Jaden dead. Oh yeah, because Kill Jaden really-, really wants Kill Jaden dead. <laughs> yeah. Kill Jaden made him a puppet, and Arth- you know it- Arthas manipulated him a little bit, so he hates Arthas. But Kill Jaden made of him a puppet. He despises Kill Jaden for that. Because that's one thing Illidan has always sought. It's it's funny because if you really look at Illidan's journey here, his his attempts to stay out of Maiev's grip, his attempt to get revenge on the Legion, it's all rooted in that same thing. He doesn't, he, you know, to, to use it it's almost like the poem Invictus, you know, I am the captain of my fate, I am the master of my soul. That's Illidan. He wants that more than anything. He wants so, to be the master of his own soul. So, so everything in a way, to get that power and do that.
0: In in a way. Kill Jaden is kind of Illidan's fellhound. Yeah. Vandal Vandal had to eat eat the fellhound's heart. He had to destroy the fellhound because the fellhound was the one thing that was that pinnacle moment. Illidan's moment is kill Jaden. And he be, hasn't was, gotten his vengeance yet.
2: It would be Sargeras if Sargeras was still around to do it too.
0: Probably, yeah.
2: I mean, that's the thing. For Illidan, it, it's like Illidan, it's the entire Burning Legion, the fact that it even exists.
0: Well, and the thing is, is like, sargeras is he's mentioned but he's never seen mm-hmm. he's not he's not present and and i found that kind of curious too because sargeras isn't dead as far as we know but all of the actions that have been taken against Azrath so far have been either kill or Archimond. his two yeah. right hand men draenei eredar whatever you want to call them well, um, it's like the thing is, it's actually like you have
2: them in Archimonde is essentially the right hand of Sargeras and Kill Jade is the left hand of Sig- Sargeras, which is like considering how evil everybody else is that puts Jade in a special box. You know, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guy who does the things that are too creepy for him. There's something too creepy for him. Uh, we're trying to find it when we do, I'll do it just to prove that I'm worse.
0: But yeah, right right now he seems to be just as bad as me, but, but we're getting there. Yeah. So um, Joe, do you want to talk about like, there's a lot that happens in this book. <laughs> there's a there's a lot that happens in this book. But um what I kind of want to talk about is Illidan in his quest to to annihilate the burning legion. Now keep in mind while all of this is going on, stuff is happening. And I really like the timeline of this book because it lays it out very clearly how long it took for things to happen. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the point, when we get to the point where the Alliance and Horde arrive on Outland, mm-hmm it's only a few short months before we're knocking on the Black Temple's door. Well, I um, found the
1: reason for that was one of the most interesting things, right? And it's not because it's not because we were so powerful and that we couldn't be stopped by Illidan, it's we weren't the concern.
0: He had bigger and better yeah. things to concern himself with, and he had bigger, bigger and better things to work on. Um, I know that we're talking about how there was like uh, three main players of the book, because we had Vandal and then we had Maiev and There's then we had Illidan, yeah. but one of the other major players that we don't we haven't really talked about at all is Akama. And Akama, I think Akama's journey in this book is also kinda interesting because it is it's not it's not a vengeance path because I don't think that Akama is really like a vengeful soul. I he mean just,
1: it's not it's not a vengeance. He just wants to be able to go home.
0: He wants to be able to go home. Well, it's pretty clear,
2: yeah. I mean, there's that moment in the near the beginning of the book where they've defeated Magtheridon, mm-hmm. and Akama turns to Illidan and says, "So I'll go get the guys, and we'll clean the temple out now, right? Because we're done, right? We beat him, so we'll redeem everything, and everything will be great." And Illidan's like, "No, nah, I got plans," and Akama's like, well, "That's great. We have plans. Okay, I'll just go tell everyone, and I'm certainly not going to go betray you right now." Yeah. Okay. I will be right back <laughs> and he immediately goes and betrays him, like as as fast as he can.
1: Well, I mean it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a question of his loyalty to Illidan because like no. Il- Illidan was a means to an end. That was it for him. He wasn't I like I know.
2: It's yeah. actually hilariously well it's it's not when I say it's hilarious, I don't mean it's bad. It's it's extremely well constructed. Uh, Akama in, 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 the best part is that Illidan kind of knows Akama is doing it. Like he doesn't know the specifics. But he
0: knows Akama. He expects it. it yeah. He's aware, and and, and, and he actually likes Akama because of it. And There's he's a part told, where he, you know, he's told Akama when he told him, "No, we're not. Di- I have plans." Uh-huh. He, he tells tells Akama. He says, "You don't get it yet." And, and you know, he he says, "Later, we'll get to that later." Because I think that at some point in Illidan's head, he did mean to give the Black Temple back to Akama at some point. Just not right now. He wasn't going to need it anymore. No, he wasn't going to need it anymore once he had actually, like... Destroyed the entire Burning Legion? Yeah, once he had finished with his plans, that was fine. But Akama wasn't on the same kind of level as an ally to be let into what those plans actually were. And Illidan was very careful about it. I know, Joe, you talked about how... Illidan, he was always truthful with the demon hunters. They were the only ones that really had the full picture of what was going on, and even they didn't have like that full picture until near the end of the book.
1: Yeah, and that was one of those things I thought was really interesting, because he told them I'm trying to think of how to phrase it it wasn't so much what they needed to know but as as things became clearer to him, and became closer to where they were about to go live then he would tell them. Sort of like the, uh, the portal's that the astral projection, so to speak, I guess would be the best way, to, the best place to really describe that, where he was starting to do anchors and send portals, th- send people through portals to other places. So I'll talk about that just a little bit.
0: I so, think what you should talk about is the journeys that Illidan made, because that's what made, I was going to do. Yeah, he made so some journeys of his own before he sent anybody else. He went himself. When we say
1: that Illidan was the most powerful sorcerer on Azeroth. I'm fairly confident that you can say that with certainty. He was able to I don't to... know.
0: I still think that Azhara has a one up on him, but Maybe. not by much, not Maybe. by much.
1: I, you know what I think? I think if he actually gave a gave any care about Ashara whatsoever, we'd see a very different story
0: playing out. I think that there would be She's she's not his concern. She's not his concern, but I I think that when you go back to the War of the Ancients and you look at the events of the War of the Ancients, I think that Ashara was a heck of a lot more powerful. I'm gonna
2: than, I'm gonna step in here and point out one
0: thing. What? Two Night Elves were born in that generation
2: with golden eyes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those two Night Elves were Illidan and Ashara.
0: Yeah, and there was a reason for it.
2: I think, quite frankly, you're talking about this is becoming. Uh, who would win Superman or Batman argument.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. That we're not gonna get I, I, We just where need we're a Lex there. Luthor yeah. to like arrange it.
2: <laughs> well and that's the thing. Um in terms of in terms of the kind of sorcery Illidan is doing, I would be willing to say that he is Ashara's superior because it is not magic that Ashara mastered. Correct. That being said Ashara's own brand of magic was so powerful that Manoroth himself said Whoa, well, you're if
0: one I- step below Argamon and kill yeah. Jaden." I don't Dang. I don't know if there's
2: anybody in the legion as powerful as you except for my masters. Well, yeah. So I think- but the Illidan does prove that he is, uh, he is a lot more powerful than anybody had any reason to believe. He well, is, and I he also kind of nommed,
0: he, on, he, he nommed on Gul'dan's skull between sure. then and now, so I guess that's, that's got part, part of it to do. Yeah, but she's deal. worked with old gods, whatever. It's all a rich tapestry. I just think okay. it's
1: interesting because it was very deceptive of how powerful he was, because it wasn't something that really, like you knew he was powerful, but you didn't know how powerful. And, and even after this book, you don't understand exactly how powerful he okay. was, but you have a better idea.
0: Joe, why don't you go ahead? We got off topic there. Go ahead. That. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually thinking the title. I was of the like, show wait, wait, be... we had to talk about Ashar for a second, but no, go back to Illidan. Sorry. What we'll all ties together? Powerful uh, sorcerer doing things. Yeah. So
1: one of the th- he has to he understands that you can open up gateways between different worlds, and he knows this because Gul'dan knew this, and because Gul'dan knew this, he's like, I have a roadmap. But I need to be able to go and find these points, make anchors, and then go from there. And I thought it was interesting because your first introduction to this is where he's in his deep meditation. He actually leaves his body and projects himself all the way across the universe to, gosh, why can't I remember the name of the planet now? Uh, vampire Demon Place.
0: Nathras? no. Yeah, yes. It was the home. It
1: was Nath Nathrazima or something like that?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: But he, So that's his first stop, and there's a reason for this, and we'll get to that in a second, but he projects himself to this planet. Like He goes through the twisting Nether, through the Void, finds this planet, descends down to it in astral form. He basically is going to a planet full of sorcerers, powerful sorcerers for the Legion, where if they happen to detect him, he's done. His, his soul could be rended from his body. That threadbare link that he has back to his body could be gone, and he could be just dead. But he finds, he finds what he's looking for, he finds the planet, He he, and he sets an anchor. And he's like, okay, I got this anchor. And he, he's inscribing basically a magical beacon, while he's not even actually physically there. Comes back to his body, starts getting the, the, the preparations. Realize that he's going to need a whole ton of souls, because souls are the most powerful thing in the entire universe, because of course they are.
0: Because his whole aim here... His whole aim to this whole purpose, the reason why he's setting up that keystone, what he what he did was when he was astrally projecting, he was going from world to world to world. He was basically jumping from network to network to network until he found the place he was looking for. And once he found that place that he was looking for, he could put down an anchor point
1: to go directly there.
0: To go directly there and skip all of that leaping around, and once that anchor point was established, he could go back to his own world and open a portal directly to that Burning Legion world in the Twisting Nether, and basically go kill the demons on their own turf, which is exactly what he wants to do. And you'll
2: note, it is what the Legion has always done.
0: Yeah. So again it he's is He's pulling a reverse is, Legion here. It is. Is Illidan, Illidan
2: basically Illidan throughout this entire book, his entire combat strategy, his entire philosophy has always been, Oh, they do that and it works, so we'll do that. That yeah. from the from the War of Ancients on that is Illidan in a nutshell. Illidan is like a judo sorcerer. Well, I he have wants to, think to use it's... their techniques against them because they work.
0: I think it's kind of interesting, too, because the method that he uses, he projects himself out of his body and leaps from world to world. It's almost kind of the opposite of what the demons do, because you kill a demon's physical body, then astrally it goes back to the Twisting Nether to come back again at some point. He's physical on this world, but he's projecting himself astrally to where, you know, there's just this mirror that's really elegant about the whole situation. And Joe, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> that, that's quite all right. But it, the the reason behind his setting the anchor is also very interesting too, because he's trying to set up direct paths. Because the way that like we we've just talked about, the way that the Legion does things is it just goes from planet to planet to planet. And he's not trying to fight through planets of inhabited demons. He's basically saying, okay, well I could go through 150 worlds, or I can go one one way far out place. But it needs to be really, really powerful.
0: I can go through a million piddly worlds and lose three-quarters of my army in the process, or I can make a leap to hit, you know, demon HQ. Well, and and teleport and make... everybody directly there and cut off the head. And and part of this is and this is also
1: an interesting sort of duality to to Illidan because the army that's going through this portal isn't his rank and file troops. It's not the blood elves that have pledged service to him, it's not the Naga. It's not even like his, his bound demons. It's his demon hunters that are going through. It's his strike pos- force. It's his surprise sneak well, strike force. It, but not only that, but every single demon hunter he loses is a horrible setback to him. Because the process of creating them takes so long and only so like a handful survive throughout the creation process that he can't just throw their bodies away. He can't just throw their lives away because if he loses them, he loses his most valuable weapon. And that's kind of, so he has to do this. He has to take these risks in order to make a direct path so that yes, he knows he's going to lose like demon hunters, but he's not going to lose half of them or three quarters of them. He can't replenish it.
2: Also keep in mind, he's using the demon hunters to try and get, the endgame weapon, the thing that will allow right. him to kill demons forever. Um, the, the, you know, the secrets, the, the keystone and the secrets of, of Sargeras. The, the, the Sargeras stuff is, it's funny because we talked about it, how it's kill he hates and it's Jaden he wants to destroy. And the only thing that can do that is Sargeras. So he will get the power of Sargeras. That's, it's really fascinating how well, the demon hunters work in that well, he's using them He's using them
1: like a scalpel, it's Actually, not a but, hammer. But th- that part is true. But I also question the fact of whether or not he needs Sargeras ultimately for it. And the reason I say that is because one of the things they really make well defined in this moment is is and is after he comes back, it, it, this ties in with this. So after he comes back and he winds up luring in not only uh, Akama and, Ma- and Maeve and I their think, people. Into I the- I
0: think we need to like. Let me let me interject here because I sure. need to go back to that. So Akama, Akama obviously doesn't get the Black Temple right away. What's the first thing he does? He turns around and he con- t- contacts Mayev because Mayev wants Ilidan out of the picture. If Ilidan is out of the picture. Akama will have the Black Temple back, which is what he's after. Like that—that's all he's after. He wants the sacred temple back. He wants to restore it to its former glory. He wants it to become a place of the light. That's all he wants. End of story. He's not really concerned about anything else. He just wants—he wants that piece of himself back again. And it's a piece that he lost when the orcs went through and spread the red mist that turned everybody into broken. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a piece of himself that. He's hoping to get back again. And so he goes straight up to Mayev and starts talking to Mayev. And Mayev's not really sure whether to trust him or not. But the longer that things go on, the more she does to a degree. She never trusts him fully. But he's he's kind of her key. He's her key to get access to Illidan. And he's her key for tracking Illidan. And he doesn't lie to her. When he tells her... Hey, Illidan is going to be traveling to Hellfire Peninsula, and he's got this big pit lord with him. She goes, she checks it out. The info is absolutely correct. There's Illidan. He's surrounded by an army, but he's there. Akama did not lie to her. Oh, so it gets to, a point, it gets to a point where Akama realizes that he needs to like make things happen. And that's the point where Illidan discovers his duplicity a bit. And discovers that he's been working with Maev and says, okay, you need to bring her to me. And Akama does it because what choice does he have?
1: Well, and that, that's where the he lays the ambush and he lays this trap because the, 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 the story comes out and he lets Akama know, I'm basically going here to do this thing. And he does it through subterfuge. He lets lets the the rumor mill kind of flow through, so to speak. And he's mobilizing an entire army of his fellow works and blood elves and his sorcerers to go do this ritual in, I believe it was Shadow Moon Valley.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't tell Akama what no, the full right. the yeah. full he, he doesn't give Akama the full picture. He doesn't. No, so he doesn't So Akama brings Maiev... As and well Maya brings all of her wardens with her, everybody. Well, he,
1: also, he also brings a force of Broken and Drenai come along as well.
0: Yeah, he brings a lot of the Ashton with him, um, and they all come to fight. Because they think that oh he's going to be weak he's going to be distracted because he's doing whatever this portal thing is that we don't know but he's gonna his attention's going to be elsewhere so this is where we can actually like strike him where he's weakness. Yeah, and keep in mind that Maya has been waiting for
2: like you know five years at this point yeah she she's, and she's been surviving they they do a really good job in this book of of depicting how she and her group survive and how much they go through
0: yeah like and, there's and one part where
2: she's in Zanger Marsh as she's riding to talk to Akama. And like there's mold on her armor and they've been eating fungus and she's longing for Darnassus. She's raring. She's raring,
0: like, she's raring yeah. to go at this point. And the thing is, is like Maya has not been she hasn't been doing nothing all this time. She's been traveling. She's been traveling throughout Outland. She's been in contact with several different forces in Outland. She's been recruiting allies. She's been recruiting Draenei allies to join her and the Wardens. So she's actually amassed quite a force on her on her end. And she went to Shatrath. She went to Shatrath to try and get a, a doll to help her and to try and get... Um, the Shatar yeah, okay. to help her, try and get the Aldor to help her. And they all said the same thing. They said, no, we've got other things that we're focusing on right now. And they're more important. They are way more important. Because the thing is, is Adol and the Aldor and all of the Shatar really, they're focused on fighting the Burning Legion. And Adal knows because Adal is a Naru and he's dang smart, right? he knows that Illidan just isn't the problem right now because Illidan's trying to do the same thing that they're doing. He's trying to fight the Burning Legion. So so he's not going to step in on this one night elf, this one lone night elf war- warden who's got this quest for vengeance to kill this guy who's actually doing the same thing that the Shatar want to happen. He He's not going to jump in on that. And he tells her flat out, he's like, we've got bigger things to be paying attention to. Yeah, him. there's a
1: bigger picture than your vengeance.
0: And she walks out. She walks out. Akama was the only one who actually like helped her with her quest to fight Illidan. So when Akama says, okay, this thing is going down, and this is where we need to strike, she takes everybody. She takes her whole force to go fight this. And obviously, it's a trap. Uh, Illidan needs souls, as we've said before. To fuel this portal. He needs a lot of them.
2: Oh yeah. And that's how he gets them.
0: The best way to get them? Yeah. Lure an army in and then just slaughter them outright. And that's what he did. And Akama. Akama was aware that this was a trap. He wasn't aware. What he wasn't aware of was that the souls of all of these soldiers that died. They weren't going anywhere. They were being sucked in and used to fuel this portal thing. And he was really horrified about that. And he actually spoke up and said something about it. Well, because it um, wasn't
1: just—it wasn't just like the souls of, of it, it, was the it was indiscriminate. It right? was indiscriminate. It was
0: all of the people that he brought with him, all the, his allies. Everybody all wardens, was being all used, the fell orcs. Everybody. Everybody was being used to fuel this thing, and Akama was like, "What are you doing?" Because he didn't understand what was going on here in Illidan. Yeah, um, Maiev was the only one he didn't kill. The only one. Because she was the one that had him locked away for 10,000 years and he had a beef with her that was as yet unresolved. So he wasn't going to allow her the pleasure of dying. That that wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to lock her up and give her a taste of what he had experienced. Um, Which is kind of funny because what Illidan seems to have
2: missed yeah. is that essentially Maya spent 10,000 years in prison. Yeah. The reason she's so crazy gung ho for vengeance against Illidan is that she did spend ten thousand years she was, locked in darkness. Yeah, she, she was, couldn't. You she, know?
0: she was just as much a prisoner as he was. She was his warden. She wasn't exactly allowed to leave. Yeah,
2: she could. She could go places from time to time, but her entire life was keeping this guy locked up.
0: <laughs> you know, and it's like it's this is she
2: was a candidate for high priestess
0: they were they were very their fates were so entangled at this point yeah. that you know the end of black temple when you go in and you and you raid black temple and burning crusade and illidan's finally defeated and he says the huntress is nothing without the prey you're nothing without me that was very literal the reason that she, so yeah. tied together they're the so reason- tied together
2: you know, if somebody hadn't spent 10,000 years locked up, you know, locked in this thing, they probably would have been like, ah, BS, I'm fine without you. But she really did spend all that time, you know, no relationship Maya had, had was as
0: intense because they, you know, this was the focus of her life. OK, so we're we're not out of time, but we're we're getting there. So I'm going to move on. Sure. Um, Ilidan successfully opened this portal. And he sent his demon hunters through it. They all went barging through it. And they did... It was basically... This was the first attack on the Burning Legion on their own turf. And they were absolutely victorious because the Burning Legion was not expecting it. Not even a little. They, they knew that there was an attack coming. They knew about the anchor. They had forces at the ready. But they had no idea that illidan had this force of demon hunters or what those demon hunters were capable of mm-hmm. and the demon hunters just carved right through them like they were butter um and illidan got what he was after and what he was after was basically it was records the world that he went to contained records burning legion records it was basically like their f- giant file cabinet of every place that, oh, that yeah, they the, ever the destroyed ever everything yeah um and he went through it and he found the one thing that he was looking for and that one thing that he was looking for was the path to argus mm-hmm. and as soon as i read that i was like oh no really yeah no that makes sense though because that's where kill jaden and archimon came from was argus
1: and that's the only place you can really kill them um like kill that's them kill their them really whole
0: world. that's yeah. that's that's where it all began and once he had that they left and he promptly started another astral journey, and this astral journey was to Argus to set another anchor point, in order to, you know, go to Argus directly and kill, kill, kill Jaden. Like this, this was his master plan. Here was he was going to go there, take kill Jaden out, um, and that's where we get to the really weird part of the book. And Rossi, did you get this far in the book? No. no. Okay. Um, Joe, you got this far in the book. There is so much
1: weird stuff going on here.
0: Okay. So So,
1: go ahead. Go ahead. You first.
0: Illidan Illidan gets to Argus. He makes another spiritual journey where he's leapfrogging world to world. Gets to Argus to where he's going to make another anchor point. And he has a very curious encounter with an entity, an unknown entity. And that entity later reveals itself. Um, And when it reveals itself, it's an Aru. He's, he's straight up being protected because the thing is, is he's on Jaden's turf. Jaden almost, almost detects him, almost sees him. And something prevents Jaden from seeing him. And it's not Illidan. It's whatever this other force is. Well, later on, he discovers that force is a Naru. And that Naru shows him a really funky vision. Um, and Joe, you want to go into that? So we know that, remember
1: in warlords of draenor where our favorite paladin got her lovely little light crest yes yeah that kind of happens to illidan in this vision he's standing there uh, overseeing this army like battling legion as a champion of the light
0: he gets the affectionate boop of the naru whatever he, the that affectionate is
1: boop of the naru, i love that
0: <laughs> boop now you have a sigil <laughs>
1: but he he gets that in this vision and it's it's showing him that he is yes his destiny is to fight the legion but not in the way he thought it was and, and in that... this
0: vision he gets like imbued with the light yeah he turns into giant demon paladin illidan it, paladin
2: it's like i i don't know what's happening right now this this what
0: yeah I, I... um and he gets you know the boop of the naru Without really an explanation of what that is. There are a lot of people. I, I, I feel like we should dial back from the book here. There are a lot of people. Who are criticizing the scene and going. What happened here? So what? He's going to be a paladin now? What are we just whitewashing everything that's ever happened? Is he a good guy now? I don't understand. The thing is. is What, what the Naru showed him. You have to understand that. A lot of what happens in Warcraft's universe. Is a matter of possibilities. Um, particularly, you know, with Warlords of Draenor, we went to a Draenor that wasn't the Draenor that we knew. It was the possibility Mm -hmm. of another Draenor. It was an alternate universe. It was a different path. What the Naru is showing Illidan isn't necessarily what's going to happen. It's a possibility. It's a possibility of what could happen. It's a possibility of hope. It's a possibility of light. And he gives him the Naru head boop and says you do what you need to do but know that there's something else out there that you can achieve if you go for it and i think you can and leaves illidan to his own devices so illidan has that to chew on but if you want to know why illidan didn't die why he didn't die when we killed him at the end of the black temple it was the head boop the naru saved him he gave him a mark They they put him in the freezer for later. They put him in the freezer. He he was fridged away for later, saved for later, um, for Gul'dan to find, apparently. But that wasn't really detailed in the book. So, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm, like, running over you. No, 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 that's fine. You pretty much covered what I was going to (laughs) say. But it's it's an interesting moment because
1: the way that this book ends on that and sort of on that is – It's ripe with possibilities, not just for the character coming back and what capacity Illidan's going to come back as, but what's going to happen to us in the future, right? Because we are these great heroes. We are these great champions. And the first thing that came out of my mind, and I'll I'll just say this real briefly, is that the very first thing that, that I said was, yes, because I've been wanting to do that forever. Since, that since seems Birdie to Chris be did. the
0: implication. And it only seems to be
1: the implication, but or, or at least the possibility.
0: It is. It's, it's a possibility. And what happens at the end of the book here is that the demon hunters, they get another portal and they're sent through that portal. And while all of this is going on, while Illidan is desperately trying to get things in motion so that he can get this, he keeps getting reports Hey, the Alliance and Horde are here. Hey, the Alliance and Horde took out Vosh. Hey, the Alliance and Horde took out Grohl. They took out Kael'thas. They're at the front door. Dude, what are you going to do about this? And this is all illustrated by um, the Blood Elf Council. It's the fight right before Illidan. The Illidari Council, yeah. Yeah, you get the Illidari Council. You get to see all of these characters, and you get to see how these characters interact with each other and how they interact with Illidan. And that part I really enjoyed, too, because it kind of... It, it shows that Illidan, he's he's detached from this. Sit- he's wholly detached from what's going on. that that All those raid encounters that we did to get to Illidan at the top of the Black Temple. Yeah, he could have wiped us out at any point in time. He didn't because he was busy. He was busy trying to get all of this stuff done. And what what ended up happening was Illidan kind of like, his will was sapped. Like really, really sapped. Um and he wasn't at anywhere close to full strength when he came to us. Because what happened was, when he went to the world, when he started to do that whole anchor point thing, when he encountered the Naru, the Naru saved him from death. He was going to die, and the Naru stepped in and pulled him aside and said, "Wait, let me reveal myself to you. Let, let's. This is not the end for you." But when when he was restored, I mean, the Naru head boop, yeah, sure, it helped him. And that whole moment of death thing, but it didn't really, you know, restore any of the powers or anything. So he was just, he was weakened beyond belief and trying to get his power back to where it needed to be. And he fueled the portal. He opened the portal for the demon hunters and he sent them through. Those demon hunters that went through that portal, that's the demon hunter starting experience. Yeah. That's where it kicks in, is is you're a demon hunter that has just been sent through a portal at that moment. Um. That's where the bridge happens. That's where this is actually working as a bridge novel because, because that's where the bridge happens. But it's just for the demon hunters. It's not for the rest of us. For the rest of us, we saw the other half of this story. We actually were the other half of this story. And, you know, when Illidan is fighting the raid group, air quote here, they're never really called that, right? When he's fighting these forces, that's us. that's us in Burning Crusade I thought that was really cool and yeah I thought that was really cool it was kind of like another moment of insertion so you've got like two destinies almost crossing and one of them is us in Burning Crusade and the other one is us as demon hunters in Legion it's like that intersection is that I I think that's really clever I really really like that Um, and I liked how that worked Uh, obviously Illidan is defeated Maiev comes out to like take him down (laughs) and she has her moment of vengeance and then she realizes you know his words sink in and she walks off and um well plus she's lost too the
2: the thing the book makes clear is that you don't really get it in in burning crusade you know what no, she and, lost yeah um, she lost I,
0: to hang, on, hang, on, so, hang on hang on hang on hang on cuz i'm i'm getting to that right okay Maev walks off and that's the last we see of her in burning crusade but her story continues on and it continues on through Wolfheart, and it continues on through legion so now i want to hand it to you rossi because i know you wanted to talk about all that stuff so go it's just one of the things that the book does really well is it gives you like the idea
2: of who she had with her after the after um Kelthas and vosh free illidan she's got like maybe 30 35 watchers left and that's it that's all she's got and so you see her basically agonize over on the one hand, she wants to get vengeance on Illidan so bad she can taste it. But on the other hand, her quest against Illidan has cost her everybody. It's cost her, like, you know, her home. She she knows she can't even really go back because now Malfurion and Tyrande are angry with her for her role in Tyrande almost dying. And she's pissed at Tyrande for killing her wardens. She lost Nysha. Then she lost whole force of wardens that she brought with her she lost most of them to to Kael'thas and vosh she's got these 30 or 35 or so left that are like loyal to her and she's like i i can't the, the moment where she can't go after illidan at hellfire citadel almost breaks her like she's like i can't i can't spend them I, we can't win but we're going to uh, there's throughout the book you see her like trying to build an army trying to get a force together when she loses them and especially since she loses them to illidan's evil plan uh, it's like the it's the last thing. He took everything. You know what, I mean? you know what I'm saying? It, it really establishes how much she's lost and it puts everything you see from her later in a context because she literally has lost everything. And she finally goes back home. wolfhart imagine the person who's gone through the events of this book, goes back home to Darnassus, sees the person that started it all because it's Tyrande's fault every last bit of it is Taronda's fault.
0: It's Taronda's, and, and it's also Malfurion's. Yeah, because Malfurion didn't stop him. Malfurion was the one who said, let's put Illidan in this prison for 10,000 years. Yeah. We'll Maia kill him. stepped up and said, Maia stepped up and said, I will watch him. And that was the moment that that 10,000 year imprisonment for both of them began. Mm-hmm. It was Malfurion that did it. And if you... If you haven't read Wolfheart yet, I suggest you do. Um, It makes it doesn't excuse her actions in Wolfheart. But it makes them it makes them completely understandable, though, because you look at how much she's lost. Like you said, Rossi, you look at how much she's lost and where she was when she came in at Wolfheart. And those actions that she took, they weren't necessarily it wasn't like she was crazy. It was just she was at the end of the end here. Well, Plus, I mean, this book makes really clear, too, that, you know,
2: she's got an incredible fear of arcane magic. Yeah, because not only did she see the sundering that blew up her world. She's now seen Outland. And what happened to Outland?
0: It got a, a blown to bits.
2: A reckless sorcerer tore it apart. So, yeah, she's like not. This has been like hell for her. And she goes through that hell. And then they expect her to just kind of go back and, you know. And then okay, they're like, well,
0: oh, hey, by the way, we're letting the Shendralar in. Yeah, and she yeah just, I know they were bad way back then, but it's okay now. Yeah, and she's like, how is it ever okay? <laughs> so that's
2: like i don't really there's not there's like a lot to talk about and i don't think we have time quite frankly because we're you know getting close to the end i think we
0: need but, like i, I almost th- feel like we need to devote an entire show to maya because i problem. find her I, yeah i agree i think we do she's but, one of the <laughs> most fascinating characters that they've got and
2: let me just say this much for like yeah. Le- in terms of Legion spoilers um when you see maya and legion uh you see her at several points and when you see her you see the range of, of emotions from broken to you know kind of like new mission type stuff. Uh, you basically get the sense that Maya, she only like there's a moment where she basically meets up with her brother again and they have like a kind of a reunion and he like forgives her as much as he can for what she's done and she doesn't really ask for forgiveness. But there's that moment where she's like she you realize this is it. The last thing she has left is her brother. That's it. She has lost. It's the her only brother. thing she has in the world. Yeah, and so the character of Maya of shadow song really has in a way that nobody else has the way Illidan hasn't the way my, you know, Taranda and Malfurion haven't, she has taken the brunt of, of her society changing and her world being gone. And it's because they stuck her in a hole for 10,000 years instead of just killing Illidan, like she said, and she said it like I can kill him right now. I, I just, I can kill him. He, he hurt my brother. I'll kill him right now and we'll be done. But no, he had to protect his precious brother. Yeah. That's how she sees it at least. And,
0: I really do try this book. She's the character I'm most interested in. Like, I... I, I think I feel like we need to talk about her like in depth. And I feel like that when we talk about her in depth, we need to talk about her as a whole. And we're talking War of the Ancients, the 10,000 years, Wolfheart, and then what we see in Legion so far. And maybe we'll go into that next time. I don't know if you guys are in, up for it. We'll see. You read Wolfheart, Joe? Yep. Okay. So we're all familiar with that book. Oh, yeah. I feel I, like I've read you've... every
1: Warcraft book that I think that's
0: come out. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I have I have a bookshelf here. <laughs> there's, like, there's like a bookshelf dedicated to that. Anyway, um, uh, let's go ahead and then wrap it up, though, because I think we are kind of going over time just a little bit. I don't care. Uh, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible to do the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Illidan is available right now. It's by William King. You can get it on Amazon. But for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. And Illidan is is one of those books. Um, When they released it, they also released it as an audio book. It's narrated by Graham Malcolm. um, And the thing is usually $28. You can get it for free with a 30 day trial. If you sign up through com slash audible, that's pretty much supporting the show right there. We really appreciate that too. Um, And I think that's going to kind of wrap us up here. Uh, Rossi, final thoughts. Uh, It's a good book.
2: So I'm, I'm basically at the point where Illidan has just sprung his trap. So, (laughs) <laughs> i hadn't quite gotten to the end yet because i'm sorry we spoiled it for you no too. no that's fine <laughs> i i knew the danger when i signed up for this job
0: <laughs> okay well at any rate you should probably finish it because it's no, really I'm, good. i'm still
2: gonna read it like i yeah. said i i've actually like i said they they did a good job with a lot of the characters we didn't get a chance to really talk about characters like uh and Adria and Sar- and so forth and you and, need
0: uh, to you need to see what happens to Maev. Yeah. Especially if we're going to talk about her next. And time. we
2: didn't we didn't really even get a chance to talk about like, you know, just how it it really does a good job of recasting Outland. It does. Like Outland is actually like horrible in this book. Like you get a mm-hmm. sense of it in a way that you don't when you play through. So, yeah, that's my final thought.
0: Okay, Joe, final thoughts.
1: This has quickly become one of my favorite books that they've ever produced. Uh, not only is it a fantastic writer, not only is it a much darker tone. Um, that handles a lot more serious topics but it's chock full of answers and questions for everything to come and everything that's passed. it's if you haven't read this book yet and you've made it through this far even with everything we've spoiled go buy this book
0: there's still so much left it. There's,
1: there's so much more there's so much depth to this book it's insane read it Please the book
2: is worth it just for character interaction quite frankly oh yeah just for yeah.
1: Mag- I would recommend it just for Mac
2: sure Mag- Mag- Oh, he's
0: salty. <laughs> he is yeah. so salty in this book.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. My final thoughts are if you if you're playing a demon hunter in Legion, you should absolutely pick up this book. Because it will give you a complete, total, innate understanding of exactly what that character you're playing has gone through to get where they are. and and what it means to be a demon hunter in a way that the game kind of conveys, but I don't think it conveys it as well as the book does, really. And if you aren't playing a demon hunter, if you aren't planning on playing a demon hunter, I'd recommend this book anyway, because like I said, it's kind of like a backdoor on Burning Crusade, and it's really interesting to see everything that was going on while we were clueless and doing our own thing you know, raiding the places that we were raiding and, and fighting the people that we were fighting. the the other thing that I, I find fascinating is Adal knew about all of this. Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell us. He didn't nope. tell us and he didn't tell he didn't tell anyone else either. So it, it's it's almost kind of a hint at just how tricky the Naru really are. And yep. I appreciate that too because I like the Naru. I think they're interesting. I want to know wondered, more about them. If you ever wondered why Iladin has a reliquary of souls, by the way. This tells you.
2: Yeah. That's why he's got it.
0: That's why he's got it. He needs it for the portals. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you in two weeks.